0: Well, you're probably shocked to see me up here, right? You think you got the time change wrong or something. You're all wondering what's happening. Um, we are very purposely making some changes here for this month of November. I'll get into that in just a second. But first, sort of a, uh, it's a little encouragement to you um, that has nothing to do necessarily with our time here this morning, but has everything to do with every individual who lives in the United States of America. Tuesday, vote. Just go do it. Just go do it. Get up in the morning, throw yourself before God, ask God for grace and mercy and wisdom and go in and do, uh, um, use the privilege and the responsibility that you've been given and vote. So uh, we're at a crucial time in the life, health, status of our country and wherever you are on that, whatever you believe, man, go after it. And uh, I just want to encourage you, you are, um, you're serving God as you contribute to uh, the choice that is made in this country. You're you're going after God, so go do it. Okay. Why don't you stand? I want to pray for us, and then I'll explain what's happening. Let's pray. Father God, we're so thankful this morning that um, we are here, alive, breathing, and we're dwelling in your goodness. And Lord, I'm so thankful that we don't have to beg and plead For your presence, because you're here. So I ask, Lord, this morning for a greater awareness for each and every one of us here this morning, for an increased awareness of your presence. Physically, spiritually, emotionally, intellectually, Lord, that you would heighten our senses. And Lord, if we need it, wake us up this morning to the reality of your presence here. We thank you for the confidence that we have to enter into your holy presence because of Jesus. We ask, Lord, that you would guide us, lead us by the Holy Spirit this morning, that we would be more like him when we go out of this place, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you can be seated. Well, we're changing some things around here, Um, uh, at the very least for uh, the month of November. About, uh, it was two weeks ago, I think it might have been the week that I felt awful, I can't remember. Um, I blocked it all out. But a couple of weeks ago, uh, literally I was just about to get up to speak, maybe two minutes before I got up, and as sometimes happens, I just kind of got what I think was a download. I just heard these four phrases came into my mind. I'm weird like this. Um, I heard these four phrases. I I heard, um, show up give up, listen up, offer up. Wham, it came like that. Now, I like catchy phrases like that. (laughs) That's fun for me. So I usually think God's trying to say something. And as I just prayed about it for a minute, I had a sense that the Lord was saying right there, November's all about worship. November's all about worship. You don't have a worship leader per se right now, and there is no better time as a body to invest yourselves, to sow into worship, Lest we be tempted to think a person will come in and teach us how to worship. It's God Himself who draws worshipers. Remember Jesus talking to the woman at the well? The, the, the time is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. That's Jesus saying, Come in spirit and in truth and worship. So we're going to spend uh, all of November talking about worship and uh, very purposely. We're moving the service, we're changing it around on the internal because, uh, you know, John Wimber, who uh, founded the Vineyard Movement with Jesus, um, was all about the uh, proclamation and demonstration of the gospel. You speak the good news and you demonstrate the good news. Healing signs, wonders, love, compassion. And I feel like sometimes as we talk about worship, it's essential we do the same, that we proclaim the truth, we look to the word, and then we demonstrate it. And I'm, uh, I'm uh, deputizing all of you. You are all demonstrators, okay? You all get a sign. You all get a chant. You all get to be a part of us really diving into an increased level of understanding about worship. We're going to do it together. None of us here are perfect worshipers. God's not looking for perfect worshipers. He's looking for those who worship in spirit, inspired by God, and in truth, open about themselves. So that's what we're going to go after in November, and it's going to be fun. So uh, this morning, I'm, uh, the the title of the message is Show Up, which might be very awkward for anyone who walks in the door at this point and thinking, well, what did I miss? Did I screw it up? Um, All I'm saying is this, God asks of us in worship, bring your whole self. Bring your whole self to God. I've found out in my life, God's a big boy. He can handle my fears. He can handle my doubts. He can handle my anger. He can handle my insecurity. He can handle my pride. I'm just saying, bring your whole self to worship. He can handle my body. He made it. He, he can handle all of my emotions. So this morning I want to I talk about what it means to show up in worship. Um, in any other place in your life where an important event is going to happen, you prepare, right? You do some preparation. If someone's going to come for a meal, you well, you might clean the house. You might think about what you're going to eat. Um, probably there's some preparation you're going to be with the guest, and you want them to feel honored, etc. I had the rare privilege of spending about 12 hours yesterday in the booming metropolis of Bloomington, Indiana. There's a tiny school there with some calm, you know, relatively unmotivated people. Uh, I spent uh, all day yesterday at IU with my daughter. My daughter's a senior uh, at IU. She's in a sorority there. And it was the dad's weekend for the sorority. Wow. <clears throat> that, should be, that should suffice, but I'll say more. <laughs> um, so I spent the whole day with Sarah, and we did some events with her sorority, and we, mostly we just walked around. We just walked and talked and spent time together and ate way too much food. <laughs> it was a great day. Um, so what I notice is that IU students in the majority are really serious about preparation. At 3 o'clock, there was a football game. Um, before the football game, there's a tailgate. They're preparing for the football game. Before the tailgate, there's a pre-tailgate. Because they're preparing for the tailgate to prepare for the game. Before the pre-tailgate, there's something they call a pre-game which is preparing for the pre-tailgate, which prepares for the tailgate, which prepares for the game. And many of them, I found out, prepare for the pre-game by knocking a couple of things down just to get their juices flowing. And I saw many people that were so prepared yesterday (laughs) that they never got to the game. They're serious about their preparation. My daughter said, there are people that will be out all night, Friday night, drinking. They'll come in three, four in the morning. And then, believe it or not, they'll set their alarms to wake up at seven or eight to start all over again. I'm like, this is serious preparation. There's actually a, a, a shirt at IU. I'm sorry for all you IU parents. You should go like this, you know. Not every person is like this there, okay? My daughter's not. But man, she sees it, okay? So just word of little caution there. I mean, It's okay. They have a shirt at IU, and on the front there's a big football, and it says, we may not win them all. And on the back, you know what it says? But we never lose a party. They're serious about their preparation. And I just wonder what it would be like for the people of God, in the house of God, in the presence of God. No condemnation here. Just an invitation to be as serious about our preparation to be with God as I saw preparation for whatever the eventual goal was yesterday. To be ready to encounter God. To be ready to encounter God's people. I'll just take the analogy a little uh, further. To do what it takes to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that we're fully engaged and fully released and abandoned into God's presence. I saw a lot of abandonment yesterday. It was not into the presence of God. And it made me cry. We prayed for people along the street. I prayed, God, get this one home safely. Honestly. I, I I was shocked, you know. Enough of that. The people of God in the Old Testament um, had a way to prepare themselves to be in the presence of God. In those days, the presence of God was in a place. It was the temple. Now, there's still a place for the presence of God to dwell today. It's just that it's you. It's us. Jesus doesn't any longer dwell in tabernacles made by man. He dwells in man. He dwells in woman. He dwells in children. And so we don't have to go to a place. But there's still a preparation. In the Old Testament, the people of God had lots of things to do to prepare. And, and there was a sense of fear. I mean, not just holy reverence, downright fear. Do you know uh, on the one day of atonement, when the, uh, the high priest went into the Holy of Holies one time a year, one person, to make the sacrifice for the whole nation of Israel, do you know they tied a rope around his leg? you know why? Because if he gets toasted like a weenie on Halloween, they want to be able to pull him out. Dead. He was encountering God. They were pretty serious about their preparation. Praise God that Jesus has come and was the perfect sacrifice. So though we have reverence for God in his presence, we don't fear for our lives in his presence. Hebrews 11, he is a consuming fire. Hebrews 10, we have great confidence. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, blanking away, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is his body, the curtain of the temple replaced by the body of Jesus and not just separated, but broken, broken so that we can confidently walk into the presence of God. And we have a great high priest over the house of God, just so you all know, we have a great high priest. His name is Jesus. It's not Randy. We have a great high priest over the house of God. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith. No question marks when we walk into God's presence because he's not offended by our sin He's pleased by the sacrifice of his son. Wow. And we walk in completely accepted, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. That's how we walk into the presence of God. I wonder if as we think about our lives as worship in God's presence or our gathering as worshipers on a Sunday or a Wednesday or a Tuesday morning, if we have any idea really what we're doing any idea the privilege that we're walking in any idea the sacrifice that was made to allow us to be in God's presence now if there's any condemning thought flying through your head I'm not good enough I do it badly he's telling me I'm no good that's the devil fling that one we walk in with confidence we walk in with joy we walk in accepted in spite of the fact that we're unacceptable that's grace Grace is accepting your acceptance in spite of the fact that you're unacceptable. And we get it. Grace is upon us. So the people in the Old Testament, they had uh, not just their, their weekly gatherings of worship, but they had festivals, three festivals in a year. Three specific festivals that God called them to a place, to Jerusalem, to the temple where God was. And he said, come on these three times and be in my presence as the people of God. And so three times a year they would do that as they were able. And in preparation to be with God in his presence, they had songs to sing. The songs of ascent. If you look in your Bible, Psalm 120 through 134. And it says under each of those numbers, a song of ascent. In other words, these are the songs that they sang preparing themselves to be in God's presence. They had a rituals to get themselves ready to be ready to be in God's presence. They knew that they were going to have an encounter with God and they prepared for it. So uh, the Song of Ascents are, are, are these declarations of God's goodness. There's these uh, entreaties for God's blessing. They're cries for mercy. They're like declarations of faithfulness. They're remembrances. Remember what God did. He's going to do it again. And all of it in this attitude of, we get to go be with God. You know? I just, uh, uh, for good or for ill, uh, last week, on Friday, uh, I, uh, Thursday afternoon, I walked down the Grand Canyon. And by God's sheer grace and a miracle of His power, on Friday morning, I walked back out. Yeah. And there was a song in my heart coming out of the Grand Canyon. Something akin to, oh God, save me and deliver me. Because it's free to walk down and optional. But to walk back up is required. And if they have to pull you out by a helicopter, it's 2,500 bucks. So I'm like, I'm going to make it. There was a song in my heart, literally. I mean, there was a song like, God, I can do it, you know. If God is for us, who can be against us, you know. Strength will rise when we wait upon the Lord. You know, that's what I'm singing. Because I'm about to die. (laughs) It was a song preparing me for being on the top. For encountering the joy of making it. And these were songs of ascent. The Israelites prepared themselves for worship by worshiping. That's how they did it. It wasn't any fancier than that. How do we get ready to worship God? Let's worship God. It's like having appetizers before the appetizer or a main course before the main course. They're like, how do we really get ourselves ready to be in God's presence? Let's tell him how great he is. Let's worship him. Let's get rid of our junk and be open and honest before God. And I wonder what it would look like for us as a people if more and more when we gather, not just Sunday mornings, but walk into a day of worship if we prepared ourselves. Go back to my IU analogy a little shot of worship, a couple of sips of quietness, a big long gulp of solitude, knowing that we are preparing ourselves to be before the most holy, most powerful, and most loving God. Man, we'd all come in here messed up and ready to encounter reality. Reality. So they prepared by worship for worship by worshiping. Now, worship, I want to define for us this month. Worship, I want to define it as simply as possible. Freely giving our love to God. I stole that. John Wimber, that was his uh, definition of worship. I think it's a good one. Worship is this. It's not all the fancy words, though it can be. It's freely giving our love to God. Freely abandoning ourselves. God, it's you. We love you. We adore you. We ascribe to you worth, power, glory. It's freedom. And worship is not just four or five songs on a Sunday morning. It is that. It's just not only that. Worship is not Love in your car for 20 minutes on the way to work. It can be that, but it's not only that. Worship is not an event. It's a lifestyle. And I'm just going to invite you into that lifestyle. Worship is a stance. Worship is a way that we position ourselves, not just before God, but before ourselves and before the world. We're created for him, not him for us. And so worship is a lifestyle, it's a stance. And so Paul says, Romans chapter 12, he says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, God's mercy, he doesn't give you what you truly deserve. He holds back his judgment. And his justice was satisfied by Jesus. In view of God's mercy, you got in. He allowed you into his presence over and over again. In view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Worship is offering your whole self to God. It's freely giving your love to God. Body, Soul, spirit, mind, will, emotions. It doesn't mean that you have to walk in on a Sunday morning, you know, in a perfectly holy place. It just means that you come to God with whatever is. And sometimes I think when we walk in, we, we think, okay, it's, I, I don't know where it is in the whole educational uh, growth pattern of a child, but there's something called object permanence. And it takes a while for kids to get it. So if you look at a one or a two-year-old, you know, you're here and they smile. When you go away, you're gone. I mean, you might be away like this. If they can't see you, you don't exist. And sometimes we treat God like that. We walk into God's presence and we're like, well, God, I'm not going to talk about all that stuff. And if I don't look at it and I can't see it, then you can't see it. Let's just wake up. God knows everything. He sees it all, and he's not disappointed. He's not disappointed. He's not angry. He may be grieved, but he's abounding with love. Like, bring it all. I'll take it all. Bring your whole self into worship. I can take your doubts and your fears and your insecurities and your pride and your genuine love and your longing. Bring it all. So as we talk about worship, I just, I want to reiterate, and we'll go more into this in the weeks to come, it's a lifestyle, it's a stance. Today I want to talk about showing up when we gather. So for our purposes this morning, I'm thinking about worship as the purposeful centering of our thoughts, our minds, our attention, our, our bodies, our wills upon God, submitting our whole selves to his whole self abandonment, all the walls down, here I am. That we bring to God our love and affection and our very deepest needs and desires. And so like anything that we do, uh, preparing to worship God, to freely give Him our love, it takes some preparation, you know? It takes, it takes some time. There's a transition time. The Songs of Ascent for the people of Israel... Um, those songs enabled them to take their minds and attention off of the everyday work got to make the bread you know got to got to collect the taxes got to you know make the stool for the neighbor next door the common everyday things and this was a transition time for them to look and say i'm going to transition from the common to the uncommon to the holy i'm going to prepare myself to look at god and see the whole thing and it takes, uh, it takes a, a, some preparation. Like anything that's meaningful in our lives. You make a meal, it takes some preparation. Let's, let, me, let me do this in the most PG-13 I, way I possibly can and still be honest. If we're going to be intimate with our spouse, it takes some preparation. It takes a change of mind. There's a transition. It's not like those commercials on TV, you know? Huh? Hmm. <laughs> What's that about? come on. It takes some time. There's a transition point from the everyday to the intimate. And it's the same way with God. God's calling us to an intimacy that's way beyond what we experience in the physical. He's inviting us into something that will forever change us when we bring our whole selves. And there's something about transitioning from the common and the everyday to the holy, And the sanctified, it's when we take our focus and attention off of ourselves and put it on another. In true intimacy, holy intimacy between man and woman, I'm not thinking about me, I'm thinking about you. We're not thinking about what do I get, we're thinking about what can I give. And the miracle of it is in the giving we receive so much. It's the same way with God. As we give ourselves to him, as we focus upon him, he pours out on us the wholeness of his acceptance, his love, his affection, his affirmation. There's a transition. When we're coming to God, we're expecting dialogue. Nowhere in the Bible do you see, I mean, there is a place where it says, God is in his holy temple, let all the earth be silent before him. I know that one, I love that one but you rarely see in Scripture God saying, come in, sit down, and shut up. (laughs) No, enter my presence. Speak to me. I hear you. I want to speak to you. It's dialogue. And dialogue means that both parties are fully present and both parties can be affected. Do you realize you can affect God? Worship is the only thing That we can give to God that he can't get anywhere else. The angels do it. But from humans, we have to choose to give him worship freely. And he loves it. He's changed by it. He's in our presence and he's affected. The beauty of it is as we give ourselves to him, we're changed by it. It's dialogue. Two people saying words. Dialogue. Have you ever gone into a meeting, an appointment, or any type of, you know, interaction maybe with a spouse, um, where you had no intention of being changed whatsoever? You know what I'm saying? Oh, let's talk. I'm not going to hear a word you say. I've put my, you know, little boundaries up and you won't tell me anything. Um, About six years ago, uh, I went on a sabbatical. And so Jane and I were, beginning of the sabbatical, we... Jane's a deal finder and I love it. So we found a great deal. Really cheap flight, really cheap um, hotel, you know, out in Phoenix, like three nights for nothing, you know? It's an amazing deal. There's just this one thing. It's just this one hour. You just have to sit through this one little thing for this one hour. It's nothing. It's nothing at all. I'm like, this is gonna be great, you know? I'm sitting in this place, I'm thinking, there's no way we can afford this. This is amazing. I love this, you know. And then that one thing came along. I'm like, well, what is it? Well, we just have to sit in this little thing. There's no pressure whatsoever. Are you kidding me? Now, little side note. If you sell timeshares, I got no problem with it. It's not a sin. Praise God, I hope people buy millions of them, okay? I don't deal well with salespeople that appear pushy, okay? I'm just not good with it. It's hard for me, all right? So I walk into this... just one little hour, it's nothing at all. And here's, here's the disposition of my heart. <clears throat> Something like, there is no way on God's green earth, by anything you say, under heaven, over earth, principalities, nothing you will do, will ever convince me to give you $12,000 today. Yeah. Period. I had no desire to be affected. Now, here's where I'm going to come around and just gently touch you. Do we sometimes come into the presence of God like that? I got this great deal. I got 167 hours free this week. I just have to do this one thing. Just show up on Sunday. Just this one thing. No pressure. You don't have to do anything. You don't don't have to buy. You don't have to be affected. You can put up your boundaries, but just do that one hour and then the rest of your week is free. Do we ever do that? I do. And I stand up here. Oh God, if I could just get through it, I know it'll be good, it'll be fine, you'll be happy. No. God is not selling timeshares. God is offering the totality of his being to us. God's offering the, a complete relationship with Him. He's not giving us a place to stay. He's enabling us to live in Him. It's incredible. And, I, and again, no condemnation, but an invitation to reconsider how you come into the presence of God. How much you lay yourself out there. Will you listen to what He has to say when He speaks to you through the scriptures, through the message, through the worship, through the still small voice on the way to church when you wake up in your dreams. I had a dream that I had more time to speak than I do right now. Um, I had a dream uh, Tuesday night. I've never had a dream like this before. In my dream, I was playing with a lion, a huge lion. And um, it was like you would play with your dog, you know, you wrestle with them. And this lion was, I mean, this is a serious lion. This is like, ever seen The Lion King? Mufasa. (laughs) It's a large lion. And when he stood on his back legs, his paws rested on my shoulders. And there was just this huge lion face, like his face, his breath. And I was playing with him. And it was fun. I mean, I was playing like a kid with this lion. And I can remember the feelings in the dream. It's like, I can't believe. Well, actually, let me be honest. There were other people in the dream. In the dream, I'm thinking those very self-conscious thoughts. They must think I'm something cool. <laughs> you know? He who plays with lions. Whatever. Even in your dreams, your false self comes up. You but I'm playing with this lion and I woke up and it and in the dream I remember the sense of this is awesome this is fun this is scary like there was this trust and then fear and then trust and then fear and then fun and then yikes and I just I woke up and I said Lord what's that about I mean I don't think the the imagery is hard to get the Lord said this is how I want to be with you he's the lion of Judah he's the lion of Judah He wants to play with us. He wants us to be children. And at the same time that he wants to be that intimate and that engaged, that we feel him on us, that we have his breath, that we see his eyes, there's a holy sense of reverence and awe. My goodness, I'm playing with someone who could kill me. I think that's a proper disposition in worship. We walk into worship. We're not afraid that God is going to kill me But we're in awe of the power of the holiness, the perfection and the purity that we're dealing with. And so maybe that's a good image for us when we walk into worship. We're going to play with a lion this morning. And when the lion wants to speak, guess what? Be quiet. When the lion wants to move, follow him. We're meeting with God. Let me take just the last few minutes here and and look at Psalm 84. I'm not going to go through it expansively at all. I'm going to urge you, I'm giving Psalm 84 to you as a gift for this week. Spend some time in Psalm 84. A day, an hour, a few minutes each day. Psalm 84. Though it's not between 120 and 134, it's likely a song of ascent. You can get it in the imagery. This is people preparing to meet with God. A pilgrim preparing. For a meeting in God's presence. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. This is passion. This is desire. The the word for soul there in the Old Testament in Hebrew, there's a word there, it's nefesh. And you know, for for the Hebrew, hearing this, even today, they don't distinguish soul and body like we do. We're so meticulous, you know? Body, soul, spirit, mind, will, emotions, intellect, toes, noses, you know? As if when we come before God, we can really compartmentalize ourselves. As if he doesn't see it all. But for the Hebrews, when it says, my soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord, that's whole being. That's why often in the Old Testament, when you see the soul's doing something, it follows up with something about the body. They're together. It's just another way of saying the same thing. My, my flesh, it cries out for the living God. I want to be in God's presence. Now, some of you right now are saying, I don't want to be in God's presence. That's fine. God loves you. You get to pray this powerful prayer. God, I don't want it, but I want to want it. Some crazy song from the 80s popped into my head. I want you to want me. I love you to love me. I need you to need me. I mean, that is the most narcissistic song ever written on the planet, other than you're so vain or something, right? That's not the way God says it. God just says it. You know, I'm open to that. Remember Thomas, when he sees Jesus, says, I believe, but help my unbelief. And we can come into God's presence and say, I don't want to be here. I'm afraid, I'm ashamed, I'm angry, I don't have the time. But you have an empowered will, empowered by the Holy Spirit. You say, God, I don't want to, but I want to want to. He loves that prayer. I think God's all over that prayer. You don't want it, but you want to want it. That's good. We're heading in the right direction. So the psalmist says, I'm longing for it. A place near your altar where that stuff happens, where God's active, where there's fire to warm and fire to scare. Second couple of verses, Psalm 84, 4 to 7. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. Blessed equals happy. Blessed equals happy. You struggle with anxiety, depression, worship. How counterintuitive is that? Completely. How like the kingdom is that? Utterly. There's a power in praise. Blessed means happy. Happy. Joyful are those who dwell in your house. Who choose to dwell in your house. Who come in when they don't feel like it and say, God, I'm going to be with you. Because I know, even if I don't experience it, that your love is better than life itself. They are ever praising you. That means their whole life becomes worship. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. We come with our strength. God meets it with his strength. We're in the power and the presence of God. And he changes us. We're not perfect worshipers. But we worship a perfect God. Perfectly able to do whatever he wants to in your life. Who have set their hearts on pilgrimage? It's a fascinating image. Who've set their hearts on pilgrimage? The actual there's another translation that says, "In whose hearts are the highways to Zion?" In in our day, highways are like nothing. Right? Get on the highway. We hate the highway. The highways jammed with cars. Right? The highways everywhere. They're always rebuilding them. Especially Route 70. It will never be done until Jesus comes back and completes it. <laughs> In these days, highways were not the norm. A highway was significant. A highway was important place to Im- important place with no roundabouts. It was a place of protection. It was a place of expediency. It was a it was a place that was smooth. When the psalmist says, "In whose heart's are the, uh, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage or in whose hearts are the highways to Zion. He's talking about the person is blessed, is strengthened, when in their hearts they've made a straight shot to God. They've taken away the barriers before God. They've made a highway. You know, if you've ever seen a pilgrim, they, they've got one focus and one focus only. They're not going to be distracted. They're going somewhere. And it's what God wants to plant in each of our hearts longing for his presence. Straight shot. That might mean confession. That might mean getting rid of some of the blocks that keep us from God. Maybe it's our pride or our fear of man. I'm sure nobody struggles with how people look at them, said the cynic. Straight shot to God. And when we lay down a brick on that highway, he lays down too. And when we walk on it, he opens the path for us. Isaiah 40, he makes the rough places smooth. He brings the mountains low. God loves it when we purpose in our hearts to move towards him. He will help us make the path. A purposed focus upon a destination, and that's God's presence. Next couple of verses. Right uh, there, you were there. You're smarter than I am. Go back. As, As they pass through the valley of Baca. Anybody know what Baca means? Just shout it out. Weeping. Oh, goody. As they pass through the valley of weeping, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains cover it with pools. In the Old Testament, pools are always a symbol of God's blessing, protection, refreshment, and provision. People with a heart opened up, ready to go into God's presence, moving towards it at whatever rate, they may walk through a place of weeping the first six months I was in a vineyard church, every time I walked in, the guy would hit the guitar, I'd start to cry. Six months straight. I'm mean, I was starting to feel like they think he's a weirdo. But there were so many other people crying. Why? There's a sense of weeping when you realize what's ultimately true and what you've been building your life on. But for these people, for us, for you, they make the, the place of weeping a place of springs and pools. It's the refreshment of the Holy Spirit. You know, there are the tears that sting and then there are the tears that cleanse. And God invites us to both. This is the one in whose heart is a highway to Zion. Their heart set on pilgrimage. Psalm 84, 8 and 9, he says, Here, My prayer, O Lord Almighty. Hear my prayer, God who can do everything. Hear my prayer, God who sees, knows, and is sovereign over all. It's a good person to be hearing your prayer. Listen to me, O God of Jacob. I think of it as, listen to me, O God, of a real person just like me. Listen to me, O God, of my forefathers who are just as screwed up as I am. Look upon our shield, O God, our protection. Look with favor on your anointed one. Okay, I'm going to close here. <laughs> because we haven't even worshipped yet. We've not yet begun. When, when the psalmist says, look with favor on your anointed one, here's how I would translate that for modern day. Hey, God, get ready. It's your favorite. Look with favor on your anointed one. To be the anointed one was an incredibly proud statement. Are you kidding me? The one with the seal of heavenly blessing? Look with favor. Give me what I don't deserve because I'm your favorite. What if every one of us walked into God's presence Sunday, Wednesday, Tuesday, every day, got up, looked in the mirror. That seemed a little too IU-ish, didn't it? <laughs> Looked in the mirror. God, it's your favorite again. Here I am. And, it, and I'm not stretching the scriptural truth. I'm not stretching it. When God looks upon you with Jesus inside, he does not see your sin. He, in fact, he distinctly remembers forgetting all your sin. And he looks at you and he says, Ah, it's my favorite. Because when he sees you, he sees Jesus, the favored son. That changes your day, doesn't it? We're his favorites. And only about God can we say that you're his favorite and so are you and so are you and so are you and so am I. People have favorites. They might try to hide it, they find them, you know. You kind of know, not with God. Because he looks down, he sees Jesus. He says, Ah, my favorite. That's the privilege of walking into God's presence the anointing of his favor and his grace, because we're his favorite ones. He loves us. And he's asking us, Just bring your whole self. I know it anyway. Don't waste your energy hiding. Be your angry self in God's presence. Have you ever read the Psalms? Be your vindictive self in God's presence. You know, smite the wicked. That's David. He's a bad guy at that point, you know. Go to the next verse and I'll finish. Oh, Lord Almighty, blessed is the man who trusts in you. Every single one of us in our brokenness and in our sin has at some point in life constructed a way to be happy, secure, secure, Loved, affirmed, and significant in life. In our earliest ages, we need it to be safe in the world. It's a gift from God. As we grow older, it becomes a hindrance to God. It's called your false self. You know all the stuff you do, that you trust in yourself rather than God. And God just says, happy is the person who trusts in me because I can handle it all. Ask the worship team to come forward. I'm just going to pray for the worship team as they come. Father, thank you for these gifted and humble servants. We thank you for them. We pray for your blessing on each one of them. Lord, I ask that you fill them again with the Holy Spirit and that as they are lead worshipers for us this morning, Lord, that we would follow closely on their heels into your presence. We pray for grace and for mercy as we come into your presence, your favorite ones. Amen. And though uh, often we uh, end our musical worship by giving our tithes and offerings, we're going to begin by doing it this morning. So the ushers can come forward. And as we begin to worship, we'll give back to God what he's given to us. So ushers, come on forward. Father, thank you for this opportunity to give to you what you've given to us. We freely give to you, Lord, our love and our worship because you've freely given to us your Son, Jesus. So ushers, come on forward, and then we'll worship. I want to close our time here today with communion uh, because I want the last thing that you experience uh, during this time together is communion with God, not the words of someone else. So I'm going to ask the communion servers to come forward now and then the prayer ministry team just to be aware when uh, communion is finished to come up so that uh, if people want prayer, you're welcome to come up afterwards. Every time that we purposely put ourselves in the presence of God, we bring our whole selves to God, it's a radical recentering of our lives upon the ultimate reality, the foundation of all truth. Every time we say no to us and look to God, we radically recenter. We ground ourselves again in truth. Every single one of us at some point has constructed this way of life that meant to bring affirmation or safety or significance or love and those who are followers of Jesus have recognized that that way does not bring life but it brings death it doesn't bring love it hinders love so if you're here this morning and you have never let go of that personal way of bringing your own happiness and you've never recognized that the way of true life is the way of the cross And while we're taking communion, I'm going to ask you to just remain in your seat and deal with God. Give God your sin. Ask Jesus to come and to cleanse you, to break the mold of the pattern that you know doesn't work, and to ask for God's pattern, which, I'm being honest, is the way of the cross and the way of glory. It's the way of death that leads to resurrection. So if that's you this morning, this is an invitation from God to lay aside the broken stuff so that you can get the whole self. Worship is freely giving our love to God and we do it because God has freely given his love to us in Christ. Jesus held nothing back. He gave everything for us that we might bring our whole selves accepted to God. If you've given your life to following Christ, just come down, take the bread, the body of Christ, dip it into the wine or the juice, the blood of Jesus. Offer your whole self to him and thank him that he's given himself in entirety for now and eternity to you. When we're finished with communion, you're welcome to stay. You're welcome to go quietly if you want You're welcome to remain in God's presence or to come up for ministry. Just remember this. When you walk out the doors, you don't leave the presence of God. You leave with the presence of God. He goes before you. He's within you because he loves you. When you're ready, please come forward and go in peace to love and serve the Lord.